You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Amen. So, um, you know, the, the, the purpose of this study is, as, as I've said many times, is to get to know Jesus better. And, um, this, this chapter that we're coming up to is really about spiritual blindness. You know, um, it's a good illustration of how physical ties into spiritual, but I do be, before we leave chapter eight, I want to read a couple of things. Um, you know, as, as you've seen in chapter seven, chapter eight, there's a lot of, discourse between Jesus and the Pharisees and the, and the, and the experts in the law. And you really see the battle of, of understanding, you know, Jesus is trying to help them understand who he is, what he is, and they're not getting it. And they're attacking him. They're criticizing him. They're trying to undermine him all the time. Um, in verse 48, uh, it says, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are Samaritan and demon possessed? I mean, that's how out there they were. That's how intensely negative they were about Jesus. I think sometimes, you know, as Christians, we, we get overly sensitive. We're like somebody dismisses us or doesn't agree with us and we get all up in arms about it. We got to understand that the, the, that the world hated Jesus. You know, and the, and, and the world, you know, said he was full of demons and, and that he was no good and all these things. So naturally, anybody who follows Jesus, we're going to get persecuted. The things are going to be said. And, and in fact, actually, Jesus warned us, woe to you, or, or, you know, he warned us to be, when all speak, when all, all men speak well of us. That's really the greater danger. That means that we're not really following him, you know, that, that our life and our convictions should rock the boat. I mean, it should cause people to react, you know, hopefully in a positive way, but some are going to react negatively. And that's just kind of the way it is. You know, Jesus answers them. He says in verse 49 of chapter eight, I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word, will never see death. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it, <laughs> Jesus keeps saying again and again who he is, what his role is, and what he brings to the table. And, and they're not getting it, but he keeps saying it. And really now it's recorded for our sake to understand. Uh, you know, I, I'll tell you, there's, there's, it, it got very intense between him and the, and, and the Pharisees. I'm going to jump back to verse 43, and he tells them, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's will. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is what you do not is because you do not belong to God. You know, so so this this battle and 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 it's it's Jesus and the Pharisees, Jesus and the experts, Jesus and the world. It's also truth against lies. It's light against darkness. Remember, you remember the the themes that we talked about at the beginning of the 
the gospel, that they would run through the whole gospel. Here they are playing out, you know, light versus darkness, truth versus lies, um, true religion versus false religion, legalism versus this, the love of God. You know, it's just on every level, there's these, these different battles going on. And it also, he also tells us some important things about Satan. You know, he says that, that Satan is the father of lies when he speaks, when he lies, he speaks his language. It is his language. It's what he does. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, this is part of that darkness versus light is, is God, there's God who is our father and he is the truth. And then there's Satan and he's the liar and he lies all the time. And this is the battle that we're in the middle of, you and I, that we, of, of learning to live by the truth, learning to accept the truth, learning to believe the truth. But it's not just the truth as in, you know, d- does God exist or not exist? Does Jesus exist? It, it's very importantly, is Jesus the Son of God? Is Jesus the Savior? That truth is incredibly important in understanding who Jesus is. But it's also the truth of what he said. And what he teaches us. Uh, yesterday we studied out, we, we read about the prodigal son in Luke 15. And, and Jesus was trying to straighten out the, the, the Pharisees and tax collectors view of God. He was trying to get them to understand the truth about God because their understanding was that God is this angry being who zaps sinners, you know, and so they couldn't understand how in the world Jesus would be eating with sinners, hanging out with sinners. That was just preposterous to them, completely unacceptable. But that's because they had a false understanding of God. They they were believing a lie. Where does that lie come from? It comes from Satan. And this is what Satan is always doing. He's spreading lies. He's spreading lies about you and I. Um, this is this is one of the things that that um, really has helped me so much is. Is, is the importance of accepting who God says you are. You know, we hear lies from Satan. You're no good. You're worthless. You have no value. You bring nothing to the table. You, you, you're ugly. You're untalented. You know, whatever. I mean, all of us have things in our head that Satan has, has said to us. And sometimes it's what some, you know, mean kid said on the playground or, or some terrible teacher or coach that, that said something ugly to you or, or maybe it's something your dad said or your mom said that just stuck in your mind. And, you know, in their moment of anger, their moment of frustration, they said something ugly to you or, or maybe it was, you know, a friend or a minister or leader in your life. And we have these tapes and they play in our head and sometimes they're way in the back and we're not even aware that they're playing, but they're affecting us. And they're affecting how we think of ourselves and, and how, what our identity is. And it's so important that our identity not come from Satan, that it not come from the world, that it comes from God, that we believe who God says we are. You are the light of the world. You, you, you are the, you are the, the, the lost coin. You are the lost sheep. You are the lost son. You are who God wants. He wants you to believe what he's saying. And that's why Jesus came, was to help you, to help you understand all this and to know the truth, to know the truth about God, who he is. These, the, 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 the most important identities are the identity of who is God and the identity of who you are, but in truth, not in the lie. 
And I think that so many of our problems in life, our anxiety, our fears, our, our insecurities, our struggles come from believing the lies that Satan tells us. And, and of course he uses other people. He uses different resources to, to spread lies, to promote lies and to sink lies into our heart and our minds. And, and we've really got to be listening to Jesus. And that really kind of takes us right up to, um, chapter nine, which, uh, it's, it's all about spiritual blindness. Now, oftentimes is the case, and you're going to see this is that there is a, there is a connection between what is happening in Jesus' life and what he's teaching. And he's, and he's going to be teaching about spiritual blindness. And so what does it start out with chapter nine? Him healing a blind person, right? So it says, as he went along, he saw a blind, a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can do work. Where I am in the world, I, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and sent home and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, is this the same man who sat and who to, who used to sit and beg? Some, some claimed he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? They asked. He replied, this man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. So we, we have this, this, one of the classic scenes, Jesus healing. Um, it's very interesting. He spits in the dirt and makes mud, right? And, and there's, a, there's a lot of discussion. What does that symbolize? You know, you've got, you have, uh, his spit when water is oftentimes the symbol of the spirit. And then you have dust, which is what man came from or dirt. And you, the two together, man and the spirit helps the man see. In other words, there's, 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 there's things involved in a healing. There's things involved in helping somebody see. I don't want to go too far down that road, but there, there, there's, there's a reason that Jesus didn't just say, see, and boom, the man saw. He did things. He often did things. And sometimes he touched people. Sometimes he, sometimes he wouldn't even, he'd just say it's done and it's done. It was done. You know, but, but sometimes he would do something and usually it pointed at something. So even the very fact that he's healing a blind man. So, so after that in verse 13, the Pharisees, of course, they want to investigate. And so they're checking it all out. They're questioning the man. They want to find out about it again. And, and this is classic Jesus. What day of the week is it? It's, of course, the Sabbath, the day that the Pharisees don't want him healing anybody. You know, because technically you're not supposed to do any work. And Jesus is showing them how God works all the time. God, not, not in the physical sense of work, but God is powerful and God is moving. And that, um, you know, that, that, well, first of all, the truth is it's not really sinning. It's not really 
breaking the law because the law is you shall not work. And they defined a, a healing as work. I wouldn't, I don't think most of us would define that as work. Most of us would just define that as a miracle, you know, something great. But as, as was often the case, they're looking for reasons to kill Jesus. They're looking for reasons to persecute him. He's constantly having to defend himself. And, and in verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And, and when he found him, this, this is, he's talking about they've thrown out the blind guy. He says, uh, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. And, and Jesus said, you have, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one who's speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now, this is important. You know, first time I read this, I thought, well, that's kind of weird. He just believed because Jesus healed him. You know, and so if anybody would have healed him, he would have believed him. But the thing I realize is this, is we 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 do believe when we see miracles. And in fact, that's kind of the purpose of miracles. They are signs. They are signs pointing to what we're supposed to believe in. And not that every miracle is from above, and there are things that happen that are more from darkness and evil, but but the fact that Jesus loved him, cared about him, reached out to him, and healed him, uh, opened his heart. And that's the way we're wired. You know, I think about, you know, helping the poor. Um, you know, there's always been a debate about, about, you know, if you go in the name of Jesus to help the poor, uh, are you making rice converts? Rice converts are what they used to ask, what they used to call when the, when the Catholic Church would, would, was preaching the gospel in China and they were, the, the Jesuits were out preaching and they would give, uh, rice to everybody who came to Mass. And so people became Catholics because they would have food to eat. Otherwise they'd starve. And they were called rice converts. And people were saying that the reason they came, the reason they converted was so they would have food. So aren't you doing the same thing? Isn't this a case of a rice convert? Some, he converted simply because a miracle was performed on him. And at first, I, I, the first time I ever read this, I kind of thought that I thought, yeah, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a trick way to, to get a convert, you know, and, and yeah, I'm sure if I went to some countries and handed out stakes or handed out money and, and told them, if you go to my church, you get money, I could, I could, uh, win you over. And that's kind of what the gospel of prosperity is all about. Churches that, basically attract people by promising wealth, promising uh, blessings. Yeah, that's an extreme evil version of, of using God's blessings. But the simple, pure truth is that we are wired in such a way that we open up. And, and when we're loved, when somebody reaches out to us, when somebody serves us, when somebody gives to us, we open up, our hearts open up, our minds open up. And, and the way it really works is, is when you go serve the poor and you love people, their hearts and minds open up to hearing the gospel. And then the gospel can be preached. And then some will respond. Some will get it. They will see it. And they will respond. Not everybody, but some will. And he did. He certainly did. He he was appreciative. His heart opened. He said, look, help me believe. Help me 
Give me, give me what to grab a hold of here. And so Jesus said, for judgment, his conclusion, he says, for judgment, I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those, and those who see, those who see will become blind. You know, he says, look, this is what's going to happen is people who didn't understand, who didn't get it, who were on the outside, they're going to get it and they're going to understand and they will be on the inside. And those that are supposedly on the inside who get it and see it, they're going to be blind and they're going to be on the outside. And you know, that, that, that it's going to flip tables here because some people are going to reject the truth and they will become blind and some people will accept the truth and they will see. And I see this happen so much where, where you can have somebody who's super educated, super talented. They have everything going for them. They see so much in one perspective. But because they reject Jesus, because they condemn the Bible, they've never read it. They don't know Jesus. They, but they judge him and deem him something less than who he is. They become blind and they don't see God's hand. They don't see all that God is doing. And, and, and that's the sad truth that happens to so many. And yet there are people who have so little, little or no education, little or no wealth. They of all people should not see or understand, and yet they do see, and they do understand because they open up their hearts and they respond. And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And basically what he's saying is, look, you know, you who claim to understand everything and know everything, you're guilty because you're right. You should know this. You know, you should know everything. You should see it and you should get it. And because you don't see it and you don't get it, then you are being held accountable for what you, what you have. And I think that that's particularly challenging for us who live in the, in, in the developed world who have access. It kind of goes back to, to, to him who's given much, much is required, which, you know, is, is, is a fact uh, and is what the scriptures teach us that we we are held accountable for what we have. So really nobody in North America or in the developed world has an excuse. I mean, we all have access to Bibles. We all could read about Jesus. We all, I mean, many of us have seen the passion. So when people reject Jesus, um, they are very much held accountable for that. And there's no excuse for it. We really all ought to be able to see Jesus and see what he's done, and see what he's doing, and understand it. You know, in in Matthew 13, uh, Jesus talks about, he quotes Isaiah, and he's talking about how they will be ever seeing, but never understanding, ever hearing, but never perceiving. We may have gotten that flipped around, but but the point being that, that despite the fact that they have so much, they don't get it. Despite the fact that they have eyes, they don't see. Despite the fact that they have ears, they don't listen. And that's just true of a lot of people. And even as disciples of, of Jesus, as Christians, we have to make sure that we are seeing and hearing and understanding all the time. That we don't grow smug in our Christianity. That we don't reach a point where we think we got it all. We, we get it now. You know, I've learned it all. Or, or, I mean, we, we're smart enough. We'd never say that. We'd never say I learned it all. But how, the question is, how teachable are we? How trainable are we? 
You know, I mean, I, I, it's, it's always interesting to me when I ask that question, how trainable are you? Everybody always rates themselves really high. But the question is, how quickly do you learn and how quickly do you change? You know, do when we see things that Jesus did, do we change? Do we adopt it? When we hear a sermon on Sunday, do we walk away with something? I mean, usually most sermons, will, there's 10, 15 things we're told to do. Do we take at least one of those? And there's no way you take all of them, but we should be able to take away, have a walk away, you know, something we walk away, one or two things that we change and we're a little more like Jesus. It may not be every Sunday a dramatic change, but it's a change. Or every time we open our Bible and read that we become a little more like Jesus, a little more like the, like God, a little less sinful, a little more open, a little more humble. And, and that only happens if we're really opening up and allowing ourselves to be changed and transformed. Otherwise we, you know, Bible, even the Bible says with much knowledge comes what? Uh, pride. <laughs> Yeah, knowledge puffs up. Uh, but if, 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 if you're really open and, and you're learning what you can change and what you can grow in and you're seeing yourself, you're seeing God, then, then actually a lot of knowledge of Jesus is humbling. <laughs> I mean, the more I know of Jesus, the more I know how sinful I am, the more I know how much I've got to grow. But also the more I know of Jesus, the more I know how gracious he is and patient and kind. And so it's okay. It's okay. I can, I can face my faults. I can face my weaknesses and have the hope that I'm going to change that I'm going to grow. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm continually seeing what I'm not, but by, by having my eyes fixed on Jesus, I'm also continually seeing the way to grow and how to become more like him. And that's exciting. And that fills every day with hope, every day with excitement, every day with something new to, to grow and to, to try to reach and try to achieve. So, so yeah, you know, the, the, um, having spiritual eyes, having spiritual sight is so important so that we're not blind, so that we're not deaf, so that, so that we, we, we really see. And, and this, this theme of deaf and blind, it comes up a lot. And, and truthfully, some of the other gospels, um, highlight it even more, you know, how important it is. You know, um, one of my favorite little funny sayings is, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth. So therefore we should listen twice as much as we talk, right? Um, and I think this is particularly true with Jesus that rather than just assuming we know, we know, we know, we should just shut up and listen and learn. And, and really try to understand Jesus more and more. And don't fall into the Pharisee trap of thinking, I know already, or I got this already. I mean, I, I am honestly, I'm so amazed. Just even just what I've learned in the last six months, uh, I've learned so much that's so humbling and, and, and just shows me how much, how far out there, up there is Jesus. And how much I need to grow. And, and that's not a like, oh, bummer kind of thing. That's a wow kind of thing. Like, whoa, you know, I mean, if I ever thought I was something, I am not. <laughs> I am dust man. I am dirt person. Uh, I am, I am, you know, the son of Adam. That's, that's me. 
But I am also loved. I am also believed in by Jesus. I am also cared for so much that he would go to the cross for me. I am also that important to God. And that's the truth that you need to accept. That's the truth that you need to have and, and understand. And the lies you need to reject from Satan, that you are not valuable, that you are not worthy, that you have nothing, or that you don't bring something to the table. Those are the lies that need to be rejected, as well as the lies of who Jesus is, as well as the lies of who God is. And believe the truth, and the truth, as he said in chapter 8, will set you free. It will set you free. So so here we are, chapter 8, chapter nine, 7, 8, 9 are really all kind of the battle with that Jesus is in with the Pharisees. And chapter 10, we enter one of Jesus' great discourses um, and just full of great teaching. I don't know how we're going to get through chapter 10 very fast, but we'll stop right here and, to, and, and next class we'll jump into chapter 10. Watch out for those beginner guide videos I talked about earlier. Uh, those are great to share with people that don't know much about God, that are beginners and, and interested in learning more. So stay healthy, stay uh, connected to one another, and please stay connected with us. And uh, God bless you. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.